goal for the Irish at the timeout. Williams, right to the right side. Powers to the end zone. Look, low snap, picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and finally, McKinley goes up and gets it, and it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers Podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach. What's going on, Irish fans, Golden Homer fans alike? Uh, bigger, big episode ahead today. We have some spring game talk, some recruiting talk. Mason was actually able to uh, interview the first 2025 Notre Dame commit, Davion Dixon. Um, so we'll throw that in here as well later on. Um, obviously, the NFL draft is today. If you're a draft nerd like me, that's a huge day. Obviously, we're looking to see where Michael Mayer, possibly Isaiah Foskey, maybe tonight, but I uh, probably more so tomorrow for Foskey, Jarrett Patterson, some other guys in the Notre Dame draft as well. Um, and then, you know, obviously just some big, big recruiting talk overall. Um, I think we've told you guys in the past that me and Mason love to talk recruiting. So whenever we can, whenever there's stuff to talk about, um, we're going to bring it up. And then, of course, some transfer portal talk. Notre Dame had some transfer portal news before and after the spring game. So we'll talk all about that. But first and foremost, Mason, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing well, man. Uh, we've been saying for a while that recruiting was going to heat up about this time. And it's nice to be right. So recruiting is heating up in a big way. And we're expecting a couple of guys to land in Notre Dame here very soon. There was kind of smoke around the message boards that there was going to be some guys that pop, you know, on blue and gold weekend and you know some things maybe prevented that from not happening but i don't think you or me are worried about those guys going anywhere so um if you, we always say if you follow the tea leaves those names <clears throat> kind of obvious by now but um right. yeah we just wait for those guys to pop and there should be some good news coming from Notre Dame here in the next couple of weeks all that stemming from the hype around the blue and gold weekend which turned out to be a really big success yeah yeah obviously and and, and to be honest i i think i I think good things did happen on blue and gold weekend. It's just that yeah. they were silent commits versus public commits. And like you said, you can read the tea leaves. Uh, we won't get into, you know, who those tea leaves are, but a couple things we can get into when it comes to recruiting. Uh, Cause a couple targets announced their commitment dates. Uh, Bryce young uh, son of, you know, former Notre Dame, uh, you know, elite Notre Dame player, uh, Bryant young NFL hall of famer, college football hall of famer, um, all the works. Um, he is committing on Saturday. Um, I think what his top list is Notre Dame, Michigan, Tennessee, and USC, if I have that correctly. I think that was his final four. Uh, Sounds I know, right. I, I know Duke was sort of in there as well. So if you want to round it out for a top five, they would probably finish it out. Um, and then Micah Gilbert is sort of an interesting one because obviously he's Bryce Young's teammate. If Bryce Young commits to Notre Dame, then you kind of assume that maybe Micah Gilbert's going to follow suit. And, I mean, obviously he was recently on campus as well. And it was a guy that, you know, we weren't necessarily expecting Notre Dame to land going into the visit, but now there's some smoke there. So I'm not exactly sure who who his top group is. I know Notre Dame and Michigan have sort of been battling it out for his services. Um, ironically enough, and I think North Carolina is there as well. Um, a little surprised that maybe there's not some more in-state action on him with like NC State. It looks like NC State didn't offer Bryce Young or um, or Michael Gilbert, which, you know, they wonder why they don't get their in-state kids. And that's probably why they're not offering. That's a, the, that's the, a, the, that's the a wild move. Right? 
that's a wild move. Yeah, you'd think that you'd at least uh, throw your hat in the ring, but uh, it is what it is. So, yeah, we're expecting, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if those guys are committed to Notre Dame here in a, in a few weeks. And, um, you know, those are the guys I'm kind of looking at when it comes to spring game and possible commitments coming up soon. Yeah, those are the two definitely keep an eye on, especially with them being teammates. It seems like Notre Dame did a really good job. I don't know if they laid out the red carpet necessarily, but they made the blue and gold recruiting weekend special. They were around commits. Um, The weather was anything but perfect, but (laughs) the game was really good. It was, it was fun to watch. I'm in a way, I'm glad that I didn't go. Um, I I had tickets. I was excited to be able to go, but the weather just looked really crappy and it ended up being crappy and it would have been a short trip for me back home. Glad I didn't end up going. I always try to make it out, but um yeah, man. Uh, overall, super successful, and Notre Dame's going to bear the the fruits of that recruiting weekend here very soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, like I mentioned, obviously, Davion Dixon kind of started off the weekend before the blue and Bo- blue and gold game committed to Notre yeah. Dame. Um, you were able to interview him. Like I said, we're going to plug that um, here later on in the episode when we have an opportunity. Um, but you know, big get for the 2025 class starting it out. It's always fun when you get the kid, just, uh, the first guy in the class. Cause you know, you know that they're probably going to be a pretty active recruiter. Um, you know, guys will take notice. I mean, I think it's interesting that he's from Florida because, you know, that's obviously a hotbed of recruiting. So anytime you can get a kid down South, um, who can maybe help you get some other kids down South. That's always a good thing as well. Um, obviously comes from a, a really good, uh, school out there. Um, you know, a, a Notre Dame brand. Uh, type of school so you know that that's a kid that you maybe kind of think of you know even though it's early on in the process he can certainly stick Um, it seems like he has a really good relationship with both Marcus Freeman and Al Washington and you know maybe Notre Dame was just the the place for him and then the other kid was uh, Cole Mullins who committed right before the spring game a 2024 defensive end Viper target uh, for Notre Dame now a commit Um, I'll be honest with you Mason I think he's super underrated um, I yep. think he's a kid that obviously just recently became ranked. He's like a borderline four star at this point. Um, I think he has like an 87 or an 88 ranking on 24 seven sports, which is you follow that 89 is usually kind of that threshold where you become a four star. Um, wouldn't be surprised if he moves up the rankings. It's unfortunate that maybe some other bigger names weren't in on him um, before he committed to Notre Dame, because I, I think a kid like him isn't going to necessarily go out there and start tweeting his offers now that he's committed. Um, and I think he's, you know, pretty like, I think he's a hundred percent locked in. I don't, I don't think he's a kid that Notre Dame's going to have to worry about throughout the process. So even if teams like Bama, Georgia, you know, whoever get in on him kind of late or offer him kind of late, it might not be known to the general public, which is unfortunate because we know that there's star watchers out there and there's offer, you know, people who only look at offers and different things like that. But um, overall, this, this kid was a top target for Notre Dame. And it's a big reason why they didn't end up landing, for example, Jacob Smith and Jared Smith, because he wanted to commit Jared and Jacob maybe weren't a hundred percent ready to. Um, and I think that there are differences in that. So some people are like, well, Notre Dame passed on them. I don't think that they necessarily passed on Jared and Jacob Smith. I think it's more so they have a, a list of guys they really like. One guy was like, Hey, I'm ready to go. And the other guys weren't necessarily ready at that time. And, you know, you got to make a tough decision as a staff. So I think Notre Dame would have accepted those commitments. Um, But when, you know, Cole Mullins decided to commit to Notre Dame and then possibly like a Bryce Young, if he ends up committing to Notre Dame on Saturday, then that would obviously, you know, like you said, read the tea leaves, you know, spots filled up and, you know, you can't take everybody. So overall, I think 
Mullins and Davion Dixon are just two more quality adds to the defensive line uh, for Notre Dame for years to come. Yeah, the defensive line recruiting is really taking off, and there's a ton of big target names out there. And in kind of a strange way, I don't think Mullins or Dixon were necessarily expected to pop this early. Both of those yeah. came kind of quickly, and that's always exciting. You know, you think you know what's going to happen in recruiting, and you get kind of random pops, and I, I really like the talent of both. It's hard to project a 2025 guy, you know, what he's going to be in the future. There's still plenty of growing to do, but I came away impressed with uh, my conversation with Davion Dixon. It was super short. It, his class schedule and his workout schedule is just absurd for a guy that's a sophomore right now. He <laughs> is going at it, and that's what you like to see is somebody that's going to be hardworking, and that translates really well to the next level. He was excited to speak with me, and, you know, that I, I think that's super cool so um yeah hardworking kid good head on his shoulders and he knows where he wants to be I don't see him as a kid that's wavering I think that's something that people say when a guy commits so early on is that they're they might waver I personally I don't think so based on my conversation with him he was blown away by the campus and I'm not going to ruin my interview but something I touched on was the weather you know he lives in Florida now but he's lived all over the country including in Colorado so the cold weather didn't bother him one bit. And, you know, he really liked everything in South Bend. The weather didn't bug him. Um, I, I think he's locked in. Yeah, big pet peeve of mine, man. I think you know based off of just my conversations with you and stuff I've said on Twitter and different things like that. And, like, regard, I mean, I'm not going to – like you said, I don't want to get into, like, pos the possibility of a kid like Dixon leaving the class. But when you have a kid who's a 2025, he's not going to be on campus for another two years or so. You know, there's always the possibility. You, you just never know what's going to happen. But man, can we celebrate a commitment for right. like 24 hours before we start saying, ah, well, you know, who cares? Like, like, or this kid's not going to be in the class. First and foremost, like, who cares? Like, if, if you, if you don't think that that kid's going to end up in the class or you think it's not worth following, that early on, then just don't follow and shut the hell up. That's yep. just my personal opinion. I know people are probably going to hate that, but like, I know you agree with me on this at least a little bit, but like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I don't know why it's become such a big deal to not, you know, to, it, like if you, if you don't want to celebrate the commitment, then just don't follow recruiting or, or wait until you, you feel like you should follow recruiting for that specific time frame. That's just my personal opinion on it, I guess. Well, yeah, and you've said for years now that it's much more likely when a guy commits that he's going to stay, but people tend to remember the guys that flip. Um, right. And those things are going to happen, and unfortunately that's going to continue to happen with just the way that college football is right now. But I think to add to your point, the guys that especially get on my nerves are the ones that, you know, they commit to Notre Dame early. They're like, oh, wait till they get the Alabama or Georgia offer. Like, if they're studs, they're going to get those offers, and you yeah. just have to trust that they're going to stick. I mean, do you, you do you not want the best schools in the country going after right. your targets? If if they're not, that means they're not any good. My so, favorite, my favorite one this year was I think it was when Carr committed to Notre Dame. Someone was like, "We'll just wait till he gets the Alabama Georgia offer," and I was like, "Well, he already has those, so right. What is he waiting on?" <laughs> yep. So that, those are always funny because it's like, obviously it's, it's mostly people that don't follow it as much or, or maybe not as religiously as us, obviously, because we follow it, you know, almost annoyingly to an extent. Yeah. And uh, at least to my wife, I feel like it's annoying. So I think uh, the idea of <laughs> some people commenting, they probably should just not comment at all. Oh yeah, just don't follow it if it's going to be if you're just going to be negative or just be a pain about it. I mean, just wait and look at the class that 
in December or February then. Right, right. Well, let's move on, man. I know obviously we want to talk about the spring game. We want to talk about the, uh, um, you know, the transfer portal. Obviously, Lorenzo Styles entered the transfer portal before the spring game. Tyler Buckner and Prince Colley afterwards. Um, Prince Colley did not play in the spring game. He's been dealing with a concussion and I think possibly the idea of just probably leaving anyway. Um, so what, you know, even if he was healthy, what's kind of the point of getting hurt in the spring game if you're already kind of one foot out? Um, so from that perspective, I think, um, you know, probably a good move on his part. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up at Vanderbilt with, uh, um, with Clark Lee who recruited him at Notre Dame. I think he would actually do pretty well there. Um, get some SEC, uh, time as well, which is nice. If he dominates there for a couple of years, then obviously he'll be a pretty big time, you know, NFL prospect with, with a lot of the tools that he has. Um, you know, obviously same with Buckner. We know that we know the talents there, the polish certainly isn't at this point. It showed in the spring game. It obviously has showed throughout his Notre Dame career so far, unfortunately due to injuries and different things like that. But with Sam Hartman coming in, you know, now Buckner has decided to enter the portal. I still think there's an, there's an opportunity for him to come back. I actually, I mean, I think I, me and you were talking about it the other day. I mean, there's been kind of some, some, um, some more news has come out recently that says he might actually be leaning towards coming back to Notre Dame possibly, or at least, you know, strongly considering it. So I wouldn't put it past him to come back, but again, I mean, Alabama, he was on campus at Alabama almost immediately after entering Um, Auburn. I know Tom Lloyd dropped that Auburn might be involved. The Pete Thamel um, story mentioned Stanford and TCU. Um, He had Bama and, Stanford offers out of high school. Obviously, Tommy Reese was not at Bama when he, um, you know, when he had that offer from Alabama. But, you know, obviously now there's there's more of a connection there. Um, and then I think TCU and Stanford specifically just, you know, they're good. They're high academic schools. They're, you know, overall, they're good at football. I mean, I know Stanford's been down, but at the same time, you can still have a quality program there, a quality um you know, a quality career. We know a lot of the quarterbacks that have come out of Stanford specifically, we know what TCU did last year. So wherever he ends up, whether it's at Notre Dame or one of those four programs I mentioned, you know, rooting for the kid and hope he has some success. And then, you know, obviously with styles, I mean, I think it just kind of ended up being a situation where Notre Dame sort of was half in half out on moving him from wide receiver to corner. It looks like he's sort of all in now on moving to corner and maybe his heart wasn't fully in at Notre Dame anymore and decided to move on. And, you know, looks like Ohio state can be in on him. I heard USC might be in on him. So, um, you know, hopefully Michigan's not in on him because then every single rival that Notre Dame has is in on him. So, um, right. Um, hopefully he goes somewhere where Notre Dame doesn't play. Yeah, I hope so too. And you hope for the best for all of them. I'm just sitting here, you know, kind of recapping or, you know, listen while you're breaking down each one of their situations. And it's just so unfortunate. You think like two years ago, you'd imagine that Buckner's the starter by now. You have really high hopes for him. Kali was so highly touted out of high school. So was Styles. I would have, I mean, two years ago, I would have probably had the three of them as like three top five or top 10 guys on Notre Dame's roster. And now all three of them are likely gone. So, I mean, I'm saying likely because they don't have a landing spot yet. So anything can happen, especially in Buckner's case. I don't think Kali or Styles come back, but um, it's just, it's so crazy with the transfer portal right now. And maybe this would have happened anyways, without how crazy the portal is now. Just guys just aren't quite panning out when they want a new spot and the portal has made it easier, but 
I, I still think all three of these guys have all the talent in the world and you always end up rooting for the, for the guys that end up leaving Notre Dame regardless. So tough situation, but at the same time for the guys that are on the roster, I guess minus Buckner, cause you bring in a transfer in Hartman that, you know, he's a top five or top seven quarterback in the country right now. There's, there's younger guys that are beating out styles and Kali. So you got to imagine that's a good thing for the roster construction. That's good recruiting. You have good young talent. Now they just need to go out there and, and get it done. So um, I totally understand Kali not wanting to be second string for the third year in a row or fourth year in a row. Um, he, you know, he doesn't want to sit behind and, and learn again or be even like a one B or one a, and then for style switching positions and he wasn't good enough at receiver cornerback and cornerback depth specifically is the best it's been at Notre Dame. And I don't know how long, so rough situation all around. I totally understand their decision-making. Well, like I said, I still think they have a ton of talent be rooting for them, but I, I guess I wish it was in a gold helmet. Yeah. I mean, and you kind of touched on this, but I mean, I think in Collie's case, it was sort of, it was, it was tough because he had older guys that the staff clearly likes ahead of him right now. And guys like Bertrand and Leah Fow and Kaiser. And then he has the young guys, you know, I know not everybody plays the same position, but just mentioning guys like Jalen Sneed, obviously he's going to see the field this year for Notre Dame. Nolan Ziegler has been a guy that a lot of people have been talking about in spring practice. And then I think guys like, you know, Jaden Osbury and Drake Bowen, you know, maybe they're not going to see the field a whole lot this year, at least on defense. Um, but they made strong impressions in the spring game. We, we know the talents that they have. They made strong, they're, they're making strong impressions during camp uh, or, or during, you know, spring practice so far. Um, Zinter had a really nice play in the spring game as well. So there's just a lot of there's a lot of guys there and sometimes even a really talented player like Prince Collie can just sort of get lost in the shuffle. And I, and I think with styles, it's something similar. I mean, obviously he struggled this year at wide receiver, but then Notre Dame is bringing in a really, really strong class of freshmen. We saw Jaden Greathouse perform high uh, very well during the spring game. We know Rico Flores has gotten a lot of hype. Braylon James probably has the most upside of anybody. And then you have KK Smith coming in in the summer um, to kind of add to that room as well. Chris Tyree now is a, is a wide receiver at Notre Dame instead of a running back. So there's just a lot of, there's a lot of guys there. And then, like you said, you move them to corner and it's like, maybe that's his more natural position. Maybe he can kind of move up the ranks, but there's just a lot of talent at Notre Dame at corner. And so that's a tough position to crack. Um, and then obviously in Buckner's case, I mean, that's just the way the world works these days. You bring in a really talented, you know, sixth year grad transfer in in Sam Hartman, who might be a third round pick in the NFL draft next year. And one of the top 10 players at his position in college football right now. And, you know, Buckner wants to play. And one of, one of my theories was, is him entering the portal. And maybe the reason why he's sort of having some regrets there possibly is He's been at Notre Dame for two years. He's only played in a handful of games due to injury and different things like that. And I think he doesn't necessarily want to sit one more year. And, you know, even though that might help his development in a sense, new QB coach, new offensive coordinator, learning under a really, a really good player like Hartman. I think he just feels like reps are so important for him right now that you go somewhere else and you get those reps and, you know, maybe he enters the portal and he's realizing, okay, if I go to Alabama, I'm not going to be guaranteed the job. I'm going to be competing for the job still. So I might not get those reps hundred percent. And, you know, same thing with Stanford, Auburn, TCU, whoever, I mean, there's no guarantee that you're going to be the starter because those are solid programs. They have QBs already in place that know the system and different things like that. So maybe he realizes, you know what, Notre Dame is the place I really want to be in general. 
and I can still be the quarterback next year and the year after that as the starter possibly. And I'm one and Sam Hartman's one hit away from me being the guy this year. Plus Notre Dame might have some sort of package for him. So um, in all those cases, especially in the transfer portal world, it's hard to blame anybody for, for really what they're doing. Yeah. I don't blame Buckner at all for at least putting his options out there, seeing who reaches out to him. And I don't think he'll have any, any lack of options. Uh, um, and part of me kind of wonders, this is totally just speculation on my end, just trying to think of his thought process, but he's been extremely like unlucky at Notre Dame. So I, I kind of wonder if he just feels like Notre Dame's like curse. He's like, I just want a new start somewhere else. And I totally understand that. Um, I don't know what the percentage would be of like him leaving versus him staying. There's a reason he entered, but there's also a reason why he said that he wants to leave his options open and potentially come back. He would obviously be welcome back with open arms. Um, I, I took a, I don't know if you saw, I took a ton of heat on Twitter <laughs> for saying that um, with Buckner potentially leaving, let's just assume he does, that Notre Dame is one hit to Sam Hartman away from being in a worse position at quarterback than last year. Yeah. I don't think that's not true. And I was getting a ton of heat for saying, people were saying that the combination of Angeli or Minchie or whatever would be better than Pine. And I don't necessarily disagree, but we have never seen Angeli or Minchie start a game and to automatically assume they'd be better than Pine when Pine wasn't good. I'll be the first to tell you that. You get <laughs> if, if only you guys could see the text I was throwing out there in our group chat last year when Pine was starting games for Notre Dame week in, week out. You can't. I mean, Pine, for as bad as he was, there's no guarantee that that Minshi or Angeli being young quarterbacks would automatically be better was my main point. And I just stopped replying to people because you can't, you can't articulate that through Twitter necessarily, right. but I wanted to, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts there. Say, say Buckner's gone. What do you think of the quarterback room? I mean, <clears throat> I understand throughout the country, yeah. your starters one hit away and you're in a bad spot, but it's not often that you have two guys behind him that have never played a meaningful snap. Notre Dame's a better team next year with Tyler Buckner on their roster. Yeah. I, I don't even know if that, regardless if he's even like the backup, let's just say Angeli or, or Minchie beats him out somehow for, be, you know, to be the backup quarterback. I still think it's a factual statement to say next year with Tyler Buckner on Notre Dame's roster, they're a better, they're a better team, more depth, more leadership, a guy that's has played some football and played football at a high level and at a poor level, but at least we've seen the highs and the lows, you know, in certain aspects, we know what kind of athlete he is. So let's just say he was third string at Notre Dame. There's still a gadget sort of player that you can use and, you know, kind of mess with teams on, you know what I mean? So, um, or, or even just Hartman, you know, Notre Dame is up 63 to nothing on Tennessee state in week two. I hope so. Right. Like you can throw in Buckner and keep Hartman healthy instead of taking some crappy hit in the fourth quarter that, you know, he didn't need to be in there for. Right. So, um, and then plus just the developmental rep. So Notre Dame's a better team next year with Tyler Buckner. I think I texted you even before you tweeted it. And I kind of like phrased it a tad differently. And I said that Notre Dame's potentially worse if Hartman were to go down. And I still think that that's, you know, probably fairly accurate like you know you can't necessarily guarantee maybe Angeli or Minchie are just ready if Hartman goes down maybe they just show out and they're better than Pine um, I hope so, so on That'd and so forth but that's like you said those are they're just completely unknowns and it's not like either of them looked amazing during the spring game either so how are we supposed to really judge if Minchie came out in the spring game and was like just balling 
you know, then maybe we'd be like, okay, Notre Dame has the guy that can probably start as a true freshman right now, but he's not going to because there's Hartman there and then possibly Buckner or whatever. Um, or, or same thing with Angeli. If Angeli just balled out, they're like, okay, now he's a year into the system. You know, he looks like a kid who, who knows it now. He knows the Tommy Reese, Jared Parker system at Notre Dame. And he can, you know, and he can thrive if, if need be. So, but, but we don't know that they're just complete unknowns. And as much as Buckner has sort of been underwhelming in a sense, at least he's not an unknown. We know that he can flash, you know, you saw the South Carolina game. There were the highs and the lows of that game, but we know, but we know bare minimum he can go out and beat a top 25 team and look really, really good in the process at certain points. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think all of our, kind of our questions, I guess, about the transfer portal will come to light here pretty soon. Um, sure. Do you anticipate anybody else entering? I think a lot of the media outlets have kind of hinted at a you know, post blue and gold game. Once guys really figure out where they think they'll, where the, where they lie on the depth chart. Is there anybody else that you're kind of keeping an eye on? I know Irish illustrated has hinted for months now, you know, if you're a, you're an incoming junior and you haven't cracked the two deep, you're probably on right. your way out. So is there anybody that stands out to you? I mean, Spindler was a guy for me, but he looked good in the blue and gold game. Yeah. I I almost think that the blue and gold game maybe made it to where he's not going to, right? Like it's good. now he's competing for a spot or bare minimum. He knows he has a spot next year or something like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, or in that case, he looks really good and now he has the confidence and he wants to be a starter hundred percent. So he, he enters the portal and goes somewhere and starts, who knows? But at the same time, like they're at 83 scholarships right now. So it's like, how many, how many more transfers are you really going to add? Right. In the, in hopefully the, one at safety, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you hope, you hope safety, you know, maybe a veteran wide receiver if they want to come in and, you know, not someone who's going to like shake up the depth chart unless it's an absolute dude for whatever reason. Right. But um, you know, there are certain, I was, I actually responded to a Twitter question about this the other day. And the guy asked, he was like, where, what would you do at Notre Dame? And I was like, like, obviously if a stud stud tight end or offensive lineman wanted to come in, I'm not saying no. Right. If an interior offensive lineman decided, Hey, you know what? I want to go be coached up at Notre Dame, their offensive line. You I'll play, I'll play guard for them for one grad year and, you know, and really prove myself and go then boom, that's awesome. Same thing at wide receiver, same thing at tight end. If a, if a dude wanted to come in, I'm not going to say no, right? Um, defensive line, If I think now they sort of have the depth issues taken care of. So I'm kind of in the same boat with defensive line. I would only really do it if it's like a, a bona fide stud who's going to start. I don't really care about the depth aspect now because it looks like Jason Anye is coming on. Um, I know Tyson Ford, you know, might not be 100% ready, but he had some he had some moments in the spring game. Um, I didn't really notice Gobira and Burnham, but people said that they had good games as well. I'm going to have to rewatch it to kind of know, but it looks like some of those young guys are are starting to, you know, show some things in practice. And I, I, even Aiden Kiana Ina, you know, he's a guy that a lot of the Irish Illustrated, you know, guys have mentioned as a possible, you know, transfer casualty or something like that and apparently now apparently they're saying he has a spot so who knows I mean it's just I think it's it's really tough and because Notre Dame has 83 spots and they you know essentially you need to you want to add two to make it 85 I don't think they want to do that with a bunch of walk-ons right they want to probably add some quality players that are scholarship level players 100 um, and like you said I mean I think it starts with safety 
Um, you know, maybe Buckner comes back. So then you only add safety and then add a Buckner, or maybe you add a grad transfer quarterback or some under underclassman quarterback that's willing to come to Notre Dame and compete just to kind of make that room have some more depth. But I don't know, man, if they lose too many more guys, I'd, I'd it'd be the first time in a while. I'd be kind of worried about them getting to 85 scholarships where I'm pretty happy about all the 85 scholarship players. Right. Yeah. Usually people, I've, I've told people this for so long that, don't ever worry about Notre Dame getting down to 85. It'll be just fine. But I don't remember a situation where they're struggling to get to 85. I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen, but it could. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get in um, real quick. Take a quick break. I'm going to, I'm going to play your interview with Davion Dixon, the 2025 defensive line commit, the first commit in the Notre Dame 2025 class. We're going to get into that real quick, do some ads, and then we're going to come back talk spring game for a few minutes and then get out of here sound good yep all right all right welcoming on a guest to the golden homers podcast we've got 2025 defensive tackle davion dixon here on the show the first commit of the 2025 class davion how are you man i'm good what about yourself hey doing well really uh really glad to have you on the show here davion so with you being the first commitment in the Notre Dame 2025 class what does that mean to you I feel it's great. Um, hopefully, I can bring some more 2025 commitments on to Notre Dame. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like you're going to be a big recruiter um, in this 2025 class. How do you plan to go about that? Um, I plan to go about that. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying my best to recruit kids. Um, if they want to come, they don't got to come. But hopefully, they can come. We can build a national championship team. Um, but hopefully, they will come. Yeah. So. Looks like you committed to Notre Dame after the blue and gold game after that weekend. So what was it that made you decide, you know what, I'm ready to shut the the recruiting process down. Um, Notre Dame is for me. Well, well other coaches, so like other color coaches, um, they just talk about straight football. And I, I didn't really like that. I just want to talk about the long term, you know, like my degree, other stuff. And Coach Freeman, he don't talk about one thing about football. That's what caught my attention. He talked he talk about, like, we have a Notre Dame diploma. You said for life, basically. So that's what caught my attention. Got it. So you liked how Freeman's approach is a little bit different, just that, yeah. you know, he's talking about the whole your whole life rather than just football. Yeah, basically. Got it. Okay. So coming from, from sunny Florida up to South Bend, what was that like? It was a big difference, man. Um, when we first got there, it was sunny and beautiful. And out of nowhere, it got like cloudy, cold. And during the game, it started snowing. It was kind of by surprise. I was like, I'm not used to this weather. Yeah, no doubt. I'm a native of South Bend myself, and uh, yeah, the weather does that uh, quite a bit. So, uh, is that anything, or is that something that impacted you in terms of your decision making? Like, are you worried about the weather at all? No, no, no. I, I grew up from Colorado, Tennessee, so I'm used to the weather. Okay, yeah. So the the cold isn't gonna isn't gonna mess with you at all. Yeah, basically, not really. Yeah, so what are what are some of your goals as you uh, as you continue to grow and as a player and in the classroom? You're already a four star talent, but what are some goals that you have before you end up at Notre Dame? Well, some goals are just I want to like work on my hand movement, probably trim down a little bit on my muscles, my baby fat. But you know, that's all right now. Got you, man. And then, what should Notre Dame fans know about you? Um, this podcast, we, uh, we served Notre Dame community and this is going to be a lot of their time, first times hearing from you before they see you on TV here in a couple of years. What should they know about Davion Dixon? I'm ready to 
hunt the quarterbacks, man. Go Irish. Ready to hunt the quarterbacks, man. I love it. The Golden Homers are a proud sponsor of Homes for Troops, a publicly funded 501c3 nonprofit organization that builds and donates specially adapted custom homes nationwide for severely injured post-9-11 veterans. Since its inception in 2004, nearly 90 cents out of every dollar spent has gone directly to our program services for veterans. Visit at hfotusa.org. Thank you. All right, Mason, great interview with uh, Davion Dixon. Seems like uh, a great kid overall and a great start to the Notre Dame class. But I uh, want to get into some of the the better highlights of the spring game. We talked a lot about sort of the negatives and the transfer portal and different things like that. Um, but now we want to talk about a lot of the positives in the spring game. Um, and then we're going to hit on the NFL draft and get out of here. Yeah, so I think my main takeaway, I'd be remiss if it wasn't Jaden Greathouse. Imagine saying before that he'd have 11 catches for over 100 yards. So um, super impressive. Seems like he has chemistry down with Sam Hartman already. Really liked what I saw with Hartman in terms of uh, Greathouse and then with Jaden Thomas as well. So definitely like what I'm seeing there. It seems like Hartman's getting some early um, – having some early connection with the with those two guys specifically, kind of two bigger-bodied guys. So um, – Trying to think of some other bright spots. You mentioned Preston's enter earlier, making a big tackle for loss wearing the green jersey. I had two, both of my grandmas texted me. They were watching it. You know, big Notre Dame fans are like, why are these guys wearing green? Um, so he was the first one I saw in green. So that was funny. But um, were there any other bright spots for you? You should have been like, Grandma, that means they're Irish. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, only the Irish players wear green. <laughs> um, no, a, uh, I mean, obviously Sam Hartman. <laughs> like Sam Hartman yeah. looked great. Um, I think he looked exactly like what we all thought he wanted to be. I think I tweeted something out like, okay, Sam Hartman can go sit down now. I've seen enough. Um, and that same thing with Jaden Thomas. I mean, that kid last year, especially like middle to the end of the season was just, was just a staple um, for them. I know his, you know, his stats weren't off the charts, but he was just a very consistent player for Notre Dame. Um, probably a much better player than a lot of people thought when, when, you know, you had the class of styles, Colsey and Thomas, Thomas was kind of like that last guy for them. But, and, you know, and honestly, some people even considered him almost a borderline take um, at Notre Dame, but you know, right now he looks like the best of the bunch. I mean, I know Colsey probably has a little bit higher upside, different player, certainly, you know, with his size and different things like that. But I think Thomas is going to have a big year with Hartman. You can see, you kind of already see the chemistry there. Um, you saw him have that nice throw down the field to Thomas, which isn't usually something that you kind of think of with Thomas. I know he's obviously, you know, he's caught a few balls like that in his time, but he's kind of more of a, you know, he's, he's sort of built like he kind of looks like a smaller Holden stays, right? Like yeah, like a six two six three Holden stays. So, um, you know, you don't really expect him to push, you know, you know, push the field or, or, or go down the field and catch, you know, fly routes and different things like that. So it was good to see that. Um, Chris Tyree. I mean, I know it was just one kind of simple play and if it was any other receiver, maybe we wouldn't make a big deal about it, but he had that little slant route. Um, I think that was actually, when, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, was he on Buckner's team? I forget. I, I believe he was. was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that was one of Buckner's better throws that game, but it was nice to see kind of Tyree go through the middle of the field and catch a pass while he might get hit in the process. Um, Cause we all know that if you get him in open space, he's a tremendous football player, but he has a tough time kind of in between the tackles has a tough time 
you know, breaking tackles specifically, which is it, one of the most annoying things I think I watch is because he's just so, so fast. And you know that if he just breaks one tackle, he's going to the house. And I can't tell you how many times that one tackle just does not get broken or, you know, maybe he barely breaks it, but he kind of stumbles and someone else hits him, whatever it is, before he can kind of get his speed going again. And so if they can find ways to kind of get him in space like they did against Oklahoma State a few years back in the bowl game, where he can just kind of run free and no one's catching him, that would be nice. Um, but even if he can just be a guy in the middle of the field that's kind of reliable, um, they didn't really have that last year, right? Especially with someone with his speed. So that was good. And then, you know, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but the, you know, the linebackers, some of the de- the backup defensive linemen, um, you know, they all looked really good. And I think Notre Dame is starting to find some legitimate depth at both of those spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't have anything else uh, really to add other than I'm just going to get out in front of it and take my L on Jaden Thomas now. I was out on him, and he's continued to impress me, so I'm just going to try to own my L now. I don't remember you being out on him. I I didn't have him. I, I guess not super, like, don't take him, but, like, I right. had him as far and away, like, lower than Colsey and Styles, and I think that it's possible he ends up the best of the three. Um sure. I knew that you know, from some people I know in Georgia that have that watched Colsey in high school that he wasn't playing the best competition, so it would be right. a, a jump up for him. But we saw him make that that jump. He was like third down Dion last year. So yeah. I'm hoping to continue to see that that growth. And to be honest, I think if he was the one that was on Hartman's team, that he would be catching a lot of those balls as well um, if him and Thomas's role was just reversed. But – um, Thomas last year, that catch against BYU that we were there for, um, yep. yeah, I've just, I, I knew that he had a big body. I just didn't know if it, how well he would translate and he's using it really well. And he's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, no, I mean, I think he's just one of those guys that, you know, he's never going to be the flashiest player, but he's just going to get the job done. It wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprising to me if he has 50 plus catches this year. Cause I think he's just going to be kind of a safety blanket. Um, I could see Jaden Greathouse in a similar role. I mean, obviously as a younger guy, maybe not catching 50 balls, but like, I mean, I think I put a, I posed the question to Tom Loy the other day, 31 and a half um, catches for Jaden Greathouse this year. And he said over. So, I mean, I'd, I'd be very happy if Greathouse had that. Um, honestly, if Rico Flores was on Hartman's team, I think he probably would have impressed more in the spring game as well. We didn't really get to see him yeah. too much just because the, you know, I, I don't want to get too much back into Buckner's play, but at the same, I mean, I don't, I don't really think he had a lot of opportunities to really succeed either. I mean, he was kind of getting, if, if it was a, if it was a non spring game, he would have been destroyed on multiple plays um, in yeah. that game, which was unfortunate. So I think a lot of those, unfortunately, a lot of the guys that were on the, uh, on the blue team uh, for the game did not get to shine simply because there weren't a lot of opportunities. And, you know, when Minchie came in, it was sort of similar. So um, it is what it is in that regard. But uh, yeah, we just saw kind of a consistent thing. We're just hanging on to the ball for too long, which is was frustrating to watch for right. a guy like Buckner that should know better. Um, I think the the atmosphere of the blue and gold game is a little bit weird. Maybe he was comfortable with the with the red jersey on. But um, I was a little bit disappointed on that front. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, there were. He could have been better. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like all the offensive lines fault or anything else. Like it was just like, it was just something I noticed, especially early on. And then I think as it got, it got progressive or as the, as the game went on, I think he just wasn't comfortable 
And like yeah. you said, hanging on to the ball too long. Obviously, the blue and gold game is probably not a game that's going to, you know, show off his talents as well because getting out of the pocket, letting him run a little bit, probably gets him more kind of in a groove and comfortable anyway. But it yeah, is breaking it is. breaking news on the podcast. Breaking news, breaking news on the podcast. Tyler Buckner has committed to Alabama. Has he? Yep, just now, two minutes ago. Well, all right. Well, there you go. Because So uh, ignore what we said about 20 minutes ago <laughs> about Buckner potentially coming back. Um, Buckner and Reese unite again. I, I don't know. I I'll, said the other day, I don't know if I'm going to be rooting for them. I think I am, but it's Alabama, so I might be praying on their downfall. Yeah, man. I was oh, – man, like – it's cool that he's going to Alabama. I mean, good, cool for him in that regard. I just hope that – like, it, it makes you wonder if he just either really wants to be coached by Reese, like maybe that's just his guy, you know, which is fine. Or, like, I just hope that he's not getting false promises because, you know, yeah. even, though, even though their quarterback situation is – obviously more murky than Notre Dame from a starting quarterback perspective. I mean, Sam Hartman would start at almost any school in the country this year. Right. Um, Including Alabama, but like you hope he's not going there. And then this, like literally the same thing's going to happen to him where he's just waiting a year to play or he's maybe he starts, but then he's like looking over his shoulder or something like that. And, you know, he has a bad game or something like that. And someone else comes in and it's like, dude, you're back to square one. Like you could have done that at Notre Dame and then been the guy the next two years. That's the one thing I'm, I'm hoping doesn't happen because I think, you know, everybody who follows me knows I'm a huge Tyler Buckner supporter. I hope he tears it up. I hope, I I hope he, you know, if he wins a Heisman, I'll be fucking happy for him, man. Or something like that. Or if he, if he ends up just a really, really good college quarterback, I'll be happy. I'm not going to sit there and root for a downfall. I hope he doesn't do anything that makes it to where Notre Dame doesn't, you know, win a, a win a playoff game or, you know, miss the playoffs because. He, oh my God. It's written that. in the stars, isn't it? Buckner yeah. and Reese against the, I can't do it. Right. Like that's the one thing I don't want. I mean, if he tears it up and does well, as long as it does, I mean, if Notre Dame goes eight and four next year or something like that, then it doesn't matter because they wouldn't have had a chance, but if they both have like one loss or something like that and Buckner's having a great season and, they pick Alabama over Notre Dame, then obviously I'm not going to be as happy as I'm talking about right now. Or if he beats Notre Dame in the national championship or something like that, won't won't be very happy. But uh, in general, I, I wish nothing but the success for the kid. I think I do overall, but yeah, I can just see how things just tend to happen to Notre Dame and Buckner and Reese combining to play against Notre Dame. While there's obviously it's, possible that Notre Dame wins that game but if they were to beat Notre Dame I would not recover <laughs> and there would be a lot of Notre Dame fans that have to eat crow on on uh, Reese at least and Buckner for that matter <laughs> right um well I guess we cover the draft real quick and then I gotta fire off some tweets about Buckner <laughs> yeah yeah I just fired one off but uh yeah no draft obviously I mentioned I'm a draft nerd I this is one of my favorite days of the year um I know some people probably don't feel the same way. The draft can be boring all that yada, 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 whatever it is, but it's find it interesting. Like, honestly, like growing up, growing up, it was one of those things where like, I, I wanted to be like Mel Kuyper and, and those guys, right? Like maybe not anymore. Like, you mean, maybe you look at more like a Dane Brugler or a Daniel Jeremiah. Cause those guys are maybe a tad more respected or whatever. Um, but I always thought that that would, that'd be a cool job to have. Right. And so I always find like myself 
looking at draft prospects, whether it's Notre Dame or not. Um, and then obviously this year, Notre Dame has an elite prospect in Michael Mayer, or at least someone that me and you and other, a lot of other Notre Dame fans feel is elite um, and maybe being overlooked a little bit and still expect them to go in the first round. Um, have you been hearing anything? I mean, I have some thoughts on Mayer in regards to, you know, where he might land, but have you heard anything in regards to, you know, what, what you think is going to happen for him tonight? I think, I think he's a first round talent. And I think just about every NFL GM would agree with you. I think he's kind of in a weird situation like Kyle Hamilton, where it's not a position that is super valued in the NFL. Maybe it's continuing to grow, but it's not a position where you see a lot of guys go in the first round, even if they're so dominant as Michael Mayer was in his Notre Dame career. Um, But I think if he's going to go in the first round, it's got to be the commanders, the Bengals, the chargers, Somebody in there where I've, I've even seen a mock to the Chiefs. Imagine 12 personnel with Kelsey and Mayer. That'd, That'd be, be wild. wild. But I think he's about like anywhere from like the 18 to 32 range is a good spot for Mayer. I have a bet with a buddy. On, I have him under 24 and a half. So selfishly, under 24 and a half would be sweet. But um, yeah, I think Mayer's a first round talent. Everybody knows it. It's just going to depend on landing spot. And Ultimately, I ju- we we just made a dynasty league together, and I started a dynasty league last year. It'll be my first rookie draft, so it can be hard not to take him if he ends up with the Chargers or the Bengals, and they're he's getting the ball from Herbert or Burrow. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, a lot of the stuff I've heard is that if he falls to twenty six, which is the Cowboys' spot, like he's not going to fall past twenty six. So if like the Bengals or the Chiefs want him, they might have to trade up. Um, or obviously, I mean, we know how the draft is crazy. Maybe someone falls to the Cowboys that wasn't expected to, and then the, he, he, he ends up falling. But that's kind of what I've heard is that the Cowboys love him, and it would be shocking if he fell past 26. That'd be awesome, I think. I mean, I, I, not necessarily with it being the Cowboys per se, but more so just the idea of him 100% being a first-round pick, which seems to be the case. And some of the teams you mentioned, like the Commanders, I've heard the Packers possibly. I don't know if they take him at 13 um but i could see it um i I think they do like him and they and they've been kind of linked to some tight ends uh the buccaneers i know carly who we talk to all the time would love that and you know they could use some weapons to help kyle trask and baker mayfield um but the chargers like that you mentioned i mean they i know that they've sort of been linked to kincaid but if kincaid were to go earlier than that or something like that or you know maybe it's smokescreen and and Mayor is still, you know, tight end one for a lot of teams. Maybe he goes to there. So a lot of the teams you mentioned, um, I just know you, I know you didn't mention the Cowboys. So I wanted to throw them in there as well. Yeah. I think he's, <laughs> uh, I think he's similar to Schultz who they just lost. So I believe he went to the Texans. So he's staying in state. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm just really hoping he goes in the first round and they don't overthink things. I think the, the NFL has a, has a way of doing that. And it seems like it's a Notre Dame thing, but if we paid attention as closely to other schools, we'd feel the same. So um, even Hamilton falling to 14 last year was crazy. So just, yeah, super pumped. It seems like Foskey's fallen out of, out of first round territory. We'll see him as a day two guy, almost guaranteed considering almost the opposite of mayor where it's really highly uh, position value as terms of an edge rusher and guys see a lot of our, our NFL GM seem to see a lot of potential in him. So excited yeah. to see his landing spot. Again, we're always rooting for Notre Dame guys to go to contenders. So you know, there are certain teams, chargers, Vikings that really like NFL guys. So maybe we'll see that trend continue. 
Yeah, and this is a year that a lot of people say is not a just a great draft class overall, but tight end and defensive end specifically are like the strengths of the class. Of course it is um, when Notre Dame has studs, but why do people say that every year, like the day, week before the draft? Oh, this this class isn't as good as as prior years. I think. I mean, I think in this case, I kind of agree with it. If I'm being honest, like I mean, I think it's a fine class, and you're going to find players. I mean, I think at the top, there's obviously some dudes like Will Anderson, and you know, if Jalen Carter can kind of figure out off the field, I mean, those guys are t- tremendous, tremendous talents. Um, and I think it's at certain spots, it's great. I mean, I think the QB class is maybe a tad overrated. Um, but still solid, certainly better than last year. Um, but but it, it does seem like tight end and defensive end specifically are kind of the spots this year. And I think that's why you could see someone like Mayor fall to the, you know, to the late first round um, just because there's so much talent at those spots that teams might be willing to a wait on a tight end, but also if maybe Kincaid or Darnell Washington or whoever it may be ends up going because the team falls in love with them for whatever reason, you know, maybe he falls a little bit. And then in Foskey's case, I mean, I think it's just such a deep and talented defensive end class that it's hard to kind of separate from some of those guys. And he ends up more of a second round pick, hopefully not a third round pick. I know Dane Brugler in his last mock draft had him as a third um, I tweeted out the other day that the bears have two seconds right now. I would love if they took Foskey at 53 or 61, if he's still there, um, they need defensive line help. And obviously as a bears fan, I would love to see another Notre Dame guy there. Um, and a guy that I think would fit in, um, in their, in their defensive scheme really well too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that Foskey's skill set is NFL ready i think he he could use some work but at the same time he's notre dame's all-time sack leader that's gotta that's gotta mean something he can he can get it done uh, i think sometimes you worry not worry but you're concerned about his focus at times i think he could be better but uh in an nfl scheme where he doesn't necessarily need to be the guy all the time like rushing the passer like coming in on third down i think he can be really successful yeah yeah absolutely i think he's just someone who needs to have a little bit more polish with his at least from what i've been hearing just he needs to add a little bit to his repertoire when it comes to his pass rushing skills, like the motors there, you know, obviously, like you said, I mean, you, and I think Brugler, I was listening to, I think it was the Shamrock podcast with Pete Sampson and Dan Brugler the other day. And one thing that Brugler said was like, yeah, he needs to kind of add some more stuff. He can't just go speed to power every time he needs to, you know, use his hands better, whatever it may be. But then he goes, I keep going back to his film and you look that he has double digit sacks the last two seasons when teams are focused on him. And that's a big deal. So um, if he can develop a little bit, then he's going to be a really good player and, you know, maybe even a steal in that, in that sense. But, uh, but yeah, we've been talking long enough, Mason. Let's uh, hope, hope some good things go well tonight for Notre Dame with the draft, obviously portal recruiting stuff like that. That's all heating up uh, spring games behind us. And we'll, uh, We'll see what happens for the Notre Dame roster moving forward. But uh, any closing thoughts from you real quick before we get out of here? Not a whole lot, but um, stay up to date with all Notre Dame news. Follow me, Mason Plummer underscore Nathan underscore Erbach at Golden Homers. We're still trying to make that account take off. It's been growing steadily. Um, Yeah, we'll see our live tweets and reactions to Mayor's landing spot tonight. And then hopefully Isaiah Foskey's tomorrow. Um, Yeah, go Irish and uh, excited to see where Mayor comes tonight. Yeah. And then just a quick little hint, we're going to have a special guest next week on the podcast. So definitely look forward to that. Um, 
but yeah, like you said, Mason, hopefully, hopefully some good news tonight for, for mayor, maybe good news for Foskey tonight or tomorrow. Um, but go Irish.